Well, this is our second week in our new series. We're in the middle of a series called Summer School. And I know that nobody wants to think about school right now, especially me, my kids. We don't want to think about school. It's just all summer vacation. So this summer school is about cool stuff. It's all about summer stuff. Last week, if you missed it, it's online. You can pick it up there. And we talked about learning to relax, learning to rest in God. We have huge amounts of free time in our society these days. We have all sorts of hobbies and options like never before in human history. And we're still like wound up tight about to bust. I mean, we don't even know how to be cool and relax about are the fun stuff, our hobbies. I mean, there are people who, they get more intense and more stressed over the stuff they do on the weekend than they do about their job during the week. And we just got to learn to rest in God and to relax and to trust Him. And that's what we talked about last week. And part of that, where we're going this week, is this week we're talking about learning to hike. Learning to do something that is core, essential, in fact, this is the one thing, the one thing at Celebration Church we ask everybody to agree on. The Word of God tells us that two can't go down the same road, can't travel together unless they agree. Obviously, if we're going to hang out together, we're going to spend time together, we've got to agree on some things. The more things we agree on, the better. But to just start this journey with us, you've got to agree on this one thing. And people think, well, you have to agree on Jesus. You know what? We're fine if people are skeptical on Jesus. We're fine if people are skeptical on God. We understand that. We, you can come and learn and be a part and, and hopefully go from a place of being an unbeliever to a believer and to a full-on follower of Christ. And so it's not even this core place of Jesus. What we want to agree on, what we have to agree on, on this is this concept of growing, of moving forward. That we're going to come and we've chosen to not stay where we are. That God is moving us. We're fine if somebody is an unbeliever as long as they're open to learn. They're ready to move forward. They may have some questions and we're not afraid of questions. But we've got to be willing to move forward. But sometimes we as believers, we can go so far and then we can kind of dig our heels in and say, you know what, I'm kind of cool with where me and Jesus are at. We're all right. And, um, you know, I got this heaven thing taken care of. Thank you, Jesus, for, you know, covering my eternity here. But, uh, you know, I, I really don't want to change anymore. I'm, pr I'm pretty cool with the way I'm at. And uh, we're, we're not cool with that. We're not cool with that. We're cool and with about being willing to move forward in Christ. And that is what today is 100% about. So if you've got your version notes, if you've got your bulletin, Let's jump in the middle of this. God is constantly growing us from the inside out. And the truth is, is that God is constantly moving us forward. <clears throat> that truth is foundational to understanding our relationship with him. If you don't understand that God is going to grow you and to change you and to ask some things of you, then you don't understand this whole relationship with God thing. You know, honestly, all relationships require some sort of growth, some sort of, of moving forward. And our relationship with God is no different. When we come to Him, we have to understand that that's part of this deal. That He meets us where we are. Man, God is so good. He loves us so much. He meets us right where we are. I don't care where you are today. God is ready to meet you. I don't care what you did last night. God is ready to connect with you today. 
right here, right now. You don't have to arrive at some place to say, okay, now I can connect with God. No, right there. But guess what? He also loves you so much that he doesn't leave you where you are. He loves me so much that he's not going to leave me where I'm at. He's still growing me. He's still maturing me. It's part of me. What excites me uh, about getting up every morning is that God is still working on me and changing me. And he's doing the same thing with you. So any good hike, any good hike, it revolves and is built on two key questions. They're always built on two fundamental questions. And the first one, defines the starting point where are you you got to kind of know where you are to understand and to plan some sort of hike you got to have a fun a foundational understanding of where you're at at the moment if you're disoriented you don't understand where you're at at the moment you can't really move forward you can't really push push ahead now um there's probably some people in here who've been on one of our famous kids camp hikes Anybody here ever been on one of our famous kids' camp hikes? Yes. They're famous. Yes, Miss Courtney's been on one. We have had some incredible, epic, need tons of water when they get back, need naps, need new shoes, hikes with a kids' camp. We've got a great buddy of mine, Roy Zesh, that he goes on treks like that they put everything in backpacks and go seven to ten days up in the Colorado mountains. Of course, everything's on fire right now, and I, I don't think it's his fault. And, uh, and so it could be. It could be Roy Zesh's fault, but I don't think it is. And uh, anyways, and so, uh, but then, then that's, a, that's a big hike to him, you know, where you don't see another person for ten days. So, you know, you get a bunch of kids together, and you go out for a couple of hours. You have that guy in charge of that well it's some pretty pretty phenomenal hikes and um they uh they understand that ultimately they start at camp and they're supposed to end up back at camp every time they have we only got kind of lost one time and uh they found their way back but we have to understand where you are if you don't understand where you are you can't make proper decisions you can't the next step can't happen if you don't understand where you are Back in the first part of this millennium, back in 2000, I uh, had the privilege of getting my private pilot's license, and I just got to fly these little buzz around, uh, little four-seater airplanes, and I had to fly some folks down to Del Rio and drop them off to do some ministry work in Del Rio. So go up, go up there, and this was just after they had finally let planes back in the air after the 9-11 deal. And so... Um, everything was still, security was still real, real tight, and everybody was still on edge about about everything, rightly so. And uh, so I load up the, the guys I'm supposed to take, and of course from going to Del Rio, and I had my sectional, had my map, and uh, looking at it, found out, looked at where the airport was, all that kind of fun stuff, take off and fly. Reuben was with me, had a good time. And, uh, yes, we had a real good time. And uh, so we're flying, and you fly over Lake Amstead, which is just nice and pretty. So the tower calls me and says, do you want vectors to the airport? I'm approaching, and I said, no, I don't want vectors to the airport. We're just going to fly around the lake a little bit. And then when I decide to head in to the airport, I'll buzz you and let you know. And so they're like, okay. So they'd called me plenty of time out. 
So then I'm flying a little more. We're looking at the at the lake and seeing everything out there. It's the first time I'd ever flown over that. So we're just enjoying it. We're just all chattering. And, of course, everybody's got headsets on, so they're hearing what I'm hearing. And uh, their tower says again, do you want vectors to the airport? Well, I'm thinking, okay, the airport's right here on our right. We're going along. And I uh, said, no, we're still good. We're still looking at the lake. Just about 45 seconds later, a very angry air traffic controller comes on and yelling my tail number at me and tells me to turn 27, to turn. And, and uh, so, and I'm like, this doesn't, make, this doesn't make sense to me. And so I'm still, they're telling me to turn the exact opposite direction of the thing, way I think I need to turn. And then they really start yelling at me. And it's like, turn now, turn now. And um, so I just go ahead and oblige. All right, I'm turning. And as I make this left-hand turn and turn, all of a sudden, there's the airport. There it is. I thought it was on the. I thought it was going to be on the right. I take this turn, and there it is, right in front of me. And I was just about to cross over into Mexico airspace, and they were just about to scramble some jets and to come get me. And um, but the problem was, is I had my map, I had my sectional, I had it facing up, I had it facing normal, but I was flying due south. I should have turned it upside down so I could see where everything was at. I thought I knew where I was on the planet. I did not know where I was. I thought that I was here. Every airport was here. Everything was over here. Air traffic controller knew where I was. They knew what was going on. They knew I was about to make a big, big no-no, especially right after that. They thought maybe I was like smuggling drugs, who knows what. And uh, I just keep blowing them off. No, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. We're just looking at the airport. And uh, so, man, it was not knowing where you are can get you into all sorts of issues. This core question of where are you, this is the first question that God, it's the first thing God says to man after the fall. The very first thing, very first interaction that God has with man after the, after the first sin in the Garden of Eden. And we see here in Genesis 3, 9, it says, But the Lord called to the man and said, Where are you? Now, I, I'm pretty sure God knew where he was. God knew where Adam was. It wasn't that God was like, Oh my goodness, Adam, where are you? I can't find you. I'm just tearing the garden apart. And I just, where are you? Why did he ask this question to Adam? Was it for God's sake? I think it was for Adam's sake. I think it was for Adam to recognize where he was. If Adam was going to be able to have a move forward moment with God, Adam had to recognize where he was at that place. That's why you and I, our very first place, whenever we come into a relationship with God, we have to recognize that we need a Savior. That's the where it starts. That you know what? I've got this sin issue hanging on me. This has to be dealt with. It's, it's got to go somewhere. Somebody's got to pay the penalty for this. And then we go, okay, this is where I'm at. I am under judgment for my own mess-ups and mistakes and choices. And then God says, ah. Yes, that's where you are. Here's how you move forward. My son took care of it. Put it on him. Let him handle it. 
And now that issue is dealt with. We start always with where are you? We always start there. The beginning is so important. Genesis 1.1, we open our Bible, we get it, and it, what does it say? In the beginning. We have to understand the roots. We have to understand the beginning. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The beginning is essential. We have to understand where we are. And folks, over and over and over again, as we grow and mature in our relationship with God, that question doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. God, through the Holy Spirit, is asking us that question all the time. Hey, where are you? We should be asking ourselves. The day we quit wanting to know where we are spiritually, where we are in certain places, is the day we quit growing. But when, as long as we keep going, God, what now? Where am I at? Is, am, I, am I in the place that you're wanting me to be? Then we will keep this, this hike with God, this walk with God, this journey with God going. The second question defines the path, which is which way forward from here. Guess what, folks? I don't care where you are. There is a way forward. I don't care how jacked up your life feels. I don't care how many bad decisions in a row it feels like that you've made or maybe you have made. It doesn't matter how a wreck your marriage feels like right now. There is a way forward from there. God has a plan, a move forward plan for you from where you're at today. He does. He does. He does. And if we decide that we just don't want to move forward, maybe we recognize where we are. Maybe we recognize that and, and decide, I'm just happy with it. I'm not going to move forward. We're going to end up like this video. Good morning, Reagan. Good morning. Good morning, Madison. Good morning, Johanna. Good morning, Good morning. Johnny. People are always asking me why. Why do the same thing every year? Why not move on? And I say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Johnny? Present. I'm comfortable. I know the routine. And I don't want to brag, but I'm pretty popular around here. I do really well in sports. Well, I'm just very successful here. Why would I go and mess that up by graduating? I mean, in the first grade, I may not know all the answers. D, D, dog, E. The hours are longer. I hear they don't even have nap time. I mean, I just don't see the upside. Then first grade leads to second grade, second to third. Then you're in high school reading boring books with no pictures. Still hungry. Next thing you know, people expect you to get a job and give up summer vacation. <laughs> no, sir. I think I found my niche. Thank you very much. Home sweet kindergarten. Besides, I mean, what if I failed first grade? How humiliating would that be? No, nope, just don't think I could handle that kind of embarrassment. And sometimes letter Y too. That was not a good choice. 
Very disappointed. That's what happens. That's what happens. Uh, and we can do that spiritually over and over and over again. Where we just, you know what? All's cool. I'm happy. I understand this. I can do these little bits of things. God, leave me alone. Don't promote me. Don't rock my boat. Don't mess with me. But you know what? Eventually, that's just, if that becomes a problem in and of itself. God has called us to mature. God has called us to grow in the assignment that he has for your life. Because guess what? All of us have one. All of us have one. And the assignment God has for you requires, it requires growth. Look at Philippians 3.14. I go forward to the mark. This is Paul. This is rock star of the New Testament, Paul. I go forward to the mark. Even the reward of the high purpose of God in Christ Jesus. Paul still moving forward? I thought Paul was there. I thought Paul was there up on the top and coaching us how to get where he is. Wait a second. You mean he was still moving forward and he was just kind of throwing hints back to us? You mean you can go for beyond Paul? I mean, there, he was still going? Yes. Yes. He was still growing himself. We're, there's constantly this place where it's never this arrival point in Christ. And anytime we think we've arrived, whoo, we have gone and taken a wrong turn. And we're at a dead end. God has not called us to be dead ends on any fronts. Exodus 13. Now here's the thing we have to understand. Okay, Here's the thing we have to understand. That we, God moves us forward in his best way. We under, understand that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, right? We learned that in school. But God understands that we're not necessarily ready for the straight line. Sometimes our shortest distance is a different way. Let's look at Exodus 13. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. God had taken all this time. He had done all of these incredible miracles, these plagues. He's, he's um, going, done all of these different things, miraculous things, to get the people out of Egypt, to get them out of Egypt. And then now there's the shortest distance. You'd think he would just want to beeline them. But no, he doesn't take them on the shortest distance. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Go back into slavery. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. They left Egypt armed for battle. They had the goods. They had the stuff to do it. They just weren't ready in here. So God takes them their shortest route, which is around there. Now, eventually, was, was, did battle happen for them? Yeah. You can't continue on the story at all and not see them going into battle. We get Jericho and Ai and all the, the conquering of all of the land of Canaan. There's tons of battle and bloodshed and war and all of this. But here, they weren't ready for it. So he takes them this way. 
Folks, that's why you and I, we're we're going to agree to moving forward. But we're going to let the Holy Spirit lead us forward. Because you know what? You and I, it's real easy for us to take, well, you know what? Well, you're here and you need to be here. Just get there. Just go there, buddy. What's, what's the problem? Why are, you, why are you skirting the issue? Why are you going this way? Maybe the Holy Spirit's leading them that way because that's the way they'll say yes. And if they face this big thing head on, then they're going to, I'm out of here and tuck and run. And the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to tuck and run. He wants us to move forward. So you and I can't be all this super judgmental about the issues and the direction that the Holy Spirit is leading somebody on their way forward. Maybe somebody shows up and they've got, you know, they've got a, you know, the Bible obviously says in the area of alcohol not to get drunk. Just don't get drunk. Maybe somebody's got a problem. They get drunk all the time. And you're saying, okay, obviously this is not healthy. Don't need to get drunk. Bible doesn't say you can't touch your lips. People get into legalism on that front. But it does say not to be getting drunk. So somebody as a believer can come in and talk to that person and say, you know what, you just need to stop that. You just need to be quit getting drunk all the time and just beat them over the head. Well, you know what? Maybe the Holy Spirit isn't even talking to them about their drunkenness. Maybe the Holy Spirit's not even whispered that to them at all. Because maybe they're super angry and bitter or super hurt on the inside and that's why they get drunk and the holy spirit is talking to them about that issue and then we get over here and we get all up in somebody's business on something that we're not teaming up with the holy spirit and they're like man i don't know what you're talking they're not getting any conviction from the holy spirit to stop that man because guess what you and i all have stuff that we could probably quit doing Somebody wants to take a microscope to any of our lives, we've all got stuff we can get up into each other's grill about. We do. But what we want to do is let the Holy Spirit do it. Because when the Holy Spirit's there, then that's where the grace for a real win and a real move forward moment takes place. That's when it's there. So then we let the, give them room to let the Holy Spirit deal with that issue. And then that's gone and they're not as angry and it's not as frustrated anymore. And then the Holy Spirit says, okay, now you don't need this much alcohol. And then there's grace to go, I don't need this much alcohol. I don't need to be trying to hide and cover up because the Holy Spirit has released me of this other area, of the, the thing that I'm hiding from, the thing that I'm covering up. We have to give each other room because the Holy Spirit knows the route that is going to lead us the best. Second Timothy 3.13 says, But evil men and pretenders will go forward to worse, leading astray and being led astray. This is what the literal translation is. You want to try to... I, Decide, well, I'm just going to stand still. No, you're going to go forward to something. You're going to go forward to something. We're either going to go forward to worse or we're going to hook up with the Holy Spirit and we're going to go forward to better. But just this concept of just trying to tread water, it is a non-starter. It doesn't happen. <clears throat> and so if we're asking the question, where am I and which way forward from here? So where are we getting these answers? Well, we get the answers that we're looking for <clears throat> by looking to God's word. If you go on our website, you'll find this in our statement of beliefs. We believe that the Bible is God's word. It is accurate, authoritative, and applicable to our everyday lives. 
See, 2 Timothy 3 says how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, guess what? Who's doing all of this training, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and righteousness? The primary front is the Holy Spirit. As we're reading it and saying, God, show me something. God, reveal to me. Then it becomes, the Word of God becomes this mirror that gets held up to us that begins to reveal what needs to shift in our lives. Let's look at Second Peter. It says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about without the prophet's own interpretation for for prophecy never had its own origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried on along by the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 30. Every word of God is flawless. <clears throat> he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. James 1 says, do not listen to the word only. Don't merely listen to it. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So if we just crack open the Bible and go through it through some religious practice and say, oh, I've got to read this much, spend this much time in God's word or do this kind of stuff and just try to hit it off our checklist and we don't allow the Holy Spirit to speak into us, then it's like going to the mirror. There it's being revealed and then walking away like, I forgot, I don't even remember who I am anymore. The Holy Spirit, through the Word, it holds this mirror of the Word of God up to us and reveals who we are and <clears throat> challenges us to become more and more Christ-like, to allow that to really shine forth in our lives. But verse 25 says, But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom... And continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. And then over and over again, I've already talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like our onboard GPS. <clears throat> he is the Holy Spirit. And he guides us. That's why Jesus said it was good for him to leave. His disciples are not wanting him to leave. And he says, look, this is a good thing. If I go to the Father, He's going to send the Holy Spirit. And then you have the presence of God with you inside all the time. You have it with you 100% of the time. And then now you're able <clears throat> to have the God's Holy Spirit teaching you and guiding you. 2 Corinthians 3 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. We already talked about God's Word the perfect law that gives freedom. Guess what? His Holy Spirit gives freedom. God is always moving you forward to freedom. He is never, ever, ever trying to take something good away from you. He is always trying to move you into something good, into freedom. Why does God want to take us from, from some place of, of hate and anger and get us to forgive? Because that becomes a shackle. And He wants to break it off of us and get us free from it. Why does He want us to, to begin to, to do anything? It's all about freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces, don't try to put up a little mask, unveil our faces, all reflect the Lord's glory and are being 
transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory. That's that constant move forward thing in our lives, folks. Ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That's where it comes from. All real growth comes from the Holy Spirit working in us. All of it. I love the way the literal translation reads. It says, but we all with our, with our faces, <clears throat> with our face having been unveiled, having beheld the glory of the Lord in a mirror, are being changed into the same image from glory to glory as from the Spirit of the Lord. We There we go, and there it is. It's reflected and given us the image of what we can become. The Holy Spirit reflecting as if we're looking in a mirror, showing us our true selves and letting all of the other junk and all of that other stuff begin to fall away. That's what discipleship is. It isn't this thing of trying to earn God's favor or, or work for Him because we're so grateful for Christ and we are. It is this thing where, where we are becoming our true selves. That he, we're created in Christ's image. And all of the facade is falling away. All the facade is falling away. Uh, <clears throat> when I had a, got to have a conversation with my oldest daughter, and um, uh, you know, we get in the car to go pick up the Krispy Kreme donuts, and uh, she, we don't get very many miles outside of town, and she begins to ask me questions. Dad, when was you know when was the last time that you know that I got drunk? When was the last time all these things? She just won't fill me out. Just seeing you know all of these different things and i'm like all right well i haven't had this conversation with you and so this is who i've been this is obviously you know who i am and um so and got to this place and i had never i'd never put it in these words or even seen it in these words and we had driving to san antonio so we had hours there and hours back and that i the moment that changed my life was my summer camp before my senior year and I made a decision. I've shared that with you all before. And I made a decision for Christ. And part of what held me back is I so I was telling God, God, I don't want to be one of these fake camp Christians that goes up, has this emotional moment, does this little thing, and then walks away, and it never changes their lives. And, they, and, it, just, and it never has any impact. I'm not going to do that to you. I don't want to defame your name. I'm not ready to live this out. So I'm just telling you no for now. It's what I wanted to say. No for now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes to you someday, God, but I'm still being an idiot and I'm enjoying it. And uh, I'm just not going to change. I'm just not. And, uh, and so, and finally, after day, after day, after day, I, I made my decision and it, 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 was, it was liberating. And yeah, from the outside, three or four weeks later, you'd have said I'd actually gone further away from a Christ-like lifestyle than even before camp. And it was part of this thing that I kind of made my mind up that, that I didn't want to be this, this fake Christian. And I told Brooklyn that what I ended up doing, I, what I ended up doing is I was, ended up being this fake sinner. Because I had been remade. I was a new creation. And all of this stuff that I was going around doing with my friends, that wasn't the real me. Here I was going out partying and doing all this stuff, and that wasn't the real me. The real me was a different person. And here I was being the fake. And finally I said, all right, God, I'm going to be, I'll, I'll just be me. 
and God in the moment. I was in somebody else's living room at a party that I'd never met the person before in my life with a sad little, wasn't even a red Solo cup, it was a Dixie cup <laughs> full of somebody else's beer. And uh, God just showed me how stupid this was for me. This is not me. I'm living a lie. And I just put it down and told my buddy, I said, I'm never doing this again. That was December 31st in 1991. I never did it again. God revealed to me. And it wasn't this big willpower thing. It was I recognized that was fake. That wasn't the real me. The real me was this new creation that God was doing on the inside. And uh, man, it's been a, still a process. It's the real me is coming out a little more every day, I hope. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but that is what it is. John 14 says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. You know what? I think one of the number one things the Holy Spirit reminds us is who we are. Holy Spirit's reminding us that we're loved, that we're His children. That God is for us and not against us. The Holy Spirit is constantly coaching us on that and reminding us of that. John 16 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide us into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Folks, that is the role of the Holy Spirit is to help reveal who we've already been reborn to be and let all this facade this junk begin to just slowly fall off as we begin to recognize man my identity is not in that never was my identity is in christ and i'm being shifted from the inside out i'm letting that begin to come out not by some fake christian thing we put on on the outside but letting the holy spirit really shine it through for real on the on the inside see these questions where are we and which way forward from here when those are answered answered honestly and often man i'm telling you they lay the groundwork to keep us moving forward with him god wants us we say this all the time every week you're going to hear it god wants us to know him and trust him he wants it and this trust you know what folks it really should show itself in us steadily moving forward with him i what i want is somebody who knows me today they don't see me for three years then they see me in three years and go wow right and you're a little more christ-like i can see god's hand at work in your life that's what i want i want steady forward progress and you know what that's what i'm praying for for you that's what i'm praying for for you as a pastor you know what i love the big overnight changes i love all of that stuff but what you know what i want i want real steady solid sustainable growth in your life where you're just letting god saying yes to him a little bit more every day you're saying god where am i and which way forward and i know i know that that's what makes real change that's what really is brings discipleship that's what brings real blessing and the fruit of the spirit to your life not me laying out a bunch of 10 things to you need to do to be a better christian just you keep saying yes to God, and he's going to produce that in you. So, folks, this is where we are. We're at this moment where, first off, I want to challenge all of us. I want to challenge all of us. So we're just going to be quiet right here. We're just going to be quiet. I want us to all just close our eyes. And I want to say, God, where am I? 
And we're going to take a minute. Are you at a place where it's time maybe to take a new step? Are you at a place where it's time to to kind of dust off your hiking boots and get going with them again? Maybe you've stalled out. Maybe that kindergarten video just kind of hit a little too close to home. Maybe you're at a place where you're needing to be a little bit more compassionate with a loved one who maybe isn't moving as forward as fast as you think they should or in the direction you think they should. And you're going to let them move forward with the direction of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be a little more patient. Maybe that's your move forward moment today. But then as we're recognizing that, I I want you to honestly say, God, I want to really move forward. What can I do? What do I need to do? What's the area you're speaking to me? Not the one I keep bringing up saying I want to change. What is the one that you, Holy Spirit, are wanting to shift into my life? Why don't you be ready? Because when the Holy Spirit speaks, there's grace. We don't have to be afraid that it's a big weighty thing. There's grace. There's grace for it. There's grace for it. And now with everybody still, their eyes bowed. If you're hearing that first thing I talked about, saying, you know what, that sin issue has got to be dealt with. If that's you, and you're like, I recognize I need a Savior. That first step, I recognize I need to take that step, and I need to give my sin and shame and guilt to Christ, and I need to take His forgiveness on. If that's you, and you're ready to take, that's where you are, and you need to move forward by saying yes to Christ, I need you to just raise your hand, and we're just going to pray with you. 